Ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Another episode of the Always Be Booked Cruise Podcast. In this episode, we have some cruise news. There is some stuff to talk about on the horizon there, so we will dive into that. We also have a very special guest appearance from Tony from Lalita Loca, and uh, we get together for about a 55 or so minute chat, and I think you'll enjoy that. As always, your emails. Let's start the show. Ayo, hey, all aboard and welcome, it's about to be on Grab a couple of cones, cause we about to be gone To the Caribbean, seven days and eight nights Got the crew coming heavy, but we all packing light Yeah, we always be booked, we got our drinks in the sky From New York City to the USBI Is that a full margarita, man? Finish it up Cause we about to run the beer like Forrest Gump Finding pockets on the Lido, she ain't gotta be a tent Cause we did the things, and we'll do them again Tonight's the white party, but we blacking it out Cause we got the drink pack and we're maxing it out Everybody come on I said sound that horn Cause we gotta get away To where the boat leaves from Yeah Woo. All aboard and welcome ladies and gentlemen To the always be booked cruise cast show Coming to you not quite live From the K compound Down in Boca Raton, South Florida. Hope everybody's doing okay. As we know, there's been a little bit of a, like I said, we would uh, do more sporadic episodes during this time. Again, we do have the Patreon. If you guys are into that, uh, we do do a show every single day on the Patreon. It's just $5 a month. You go to patreon.com slash always be booked. Once again, that is patreon.com slash always be booked. It is a little bit of a different thing. We talk about anything under the sun. Uh, we call we call them super cones because, you know, it's people who really have a next level toleration for me. And whether it's cruising, whether it's, you know, we've been on a few different kicks lately. So definitely check that out if you're so inclined. But uh, I am glad to have you guys here. And I wanted to kind of jump in to a, f- a few of the things that are going on right now. Now, you guys know this show has always been a little bit more on the reaction side. We're not necessarily looking to break news and be at the forefront with all the you know latest and greatest you know hot off the press stuff. I like to see what comes out. I like to read the stories, see what's going on out there, and then give an honest reaction to it. It's kind of like the direction I like to go. But you guys already know that. You guys are familiar with what we do here, uh, with what we do here at Always Be Booked. So uh, the first thing, uh, and this is kind of breaking, it's a today thing. Norwegian cancels all cruises for October. Okay? That's... It's it, it speaks volumes, and you know what I mean? It's like, when does it end there? You have to remember what I continue to say is that every time you see a, an extended halt in cruising, you have to realize how f- much further away you are from getting back to sea completely. You know what I mean? And the one, I guess, parameter and I guess the consistent thing that's been going on is that one cruise line will announce, you know, an extension of the shutdown or whatever it is, and not yet has it ever happened where the other cruise lines don't follow suit. You know what I mean? So the minute Norwegian announces something like that, it's not written in stone. I'm not saying it's 100%, but Carnival Cruise Line, uh, 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 Royal Caribbean, and whatever, even Celebrity and Disney and Princess, you'd have to expect that they're going to pop in after and do the same. So we don't really know. It was... It was really kind of invigorating when Carnival put that thing out that they really thought they were going to head back to sea. 
at the beginning of August. It really felt like they had a plan. But I would say since Arnold Donald went on TV and kind of blew that up, I think anybody's guess is uh, is up in the air, is up for grabs. I don't really think that any of us really have a clue when this is going to happen. And uh, you know, everybody was like, "Dare I say, 2021 is the next time we're going to cruise." And it seems like that. That's inevitable. It seems like at this point, it seems like how deep into 2021 will we be able to cruise? You know, so that's the news today. Uh, Norwegian cancels all cruises through October. They're basically telling you, and that's across all their three lines. And that's who else? Azam, uh, who, who else is Norwegian? So that is also Oceana and Regent Seven Seas as well. So there we are. Uh, we know uh, last couple of days, Princess announced something similar. They said that they will not be cruising until December 15th. So now that's the question. You would have to assume, well, you don't want to assume anything. I think we all learned that. But I would venture to guess that when they say December 15th, Princess, I feel like that is a date that's based on them having the idea that they are going to try to salvage some resemblance of a holiday season, right? There, You would have to think that if it's at all possible to get in those Christmas and New Year's cruises, that they would do everything in their power possible to make that happen because that's a nice little revenue spike. However, again, like I said before, you also have to consider the fact that even when they announce these dates, you know what I mean? So right now for Princess, it's December 15th. For uh, for 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 Norwegian, it's November 1st, I guess is the date now. Remember, there is going to be that experimental period. What you're seeing right now over in uh, Germany and you're seeing it in, uh, you know, the Asia Asian market, they're starting to do some cruising right now. You're talking about single voyages by the entire cruise line. And you're talking about half full ships at best. These are ships that can hold 3,000 people. One of them's got 1,200 on it right now. One of them's got 900 on it right now. So you're going to have to see that, especially in the American market, the North American market, where we are still uh, hemispherically a hot zone, you'd say. So clearly there's going to be a crawl before you walk type of scenario before we're back in service. So when they say November realize that is not even close yet to being back you know as as a full fleet of cruise ships at full capacity you know what i mean all right so what else did we want to talk about we have the cdc okay they put out a questionnaire everybody's talking about when are the cruise lines going to get together with the cdc and have a real conversation and put together some parameters by which we will be able to get back to sea that has not happened so, uh, in the you know, I guess in us anticipating that, what the CDC did was something finally for the first time. Now, I shouldn't say for the first time because we all know that most of their efforts as of now have been uh, focused towards repatriation of crew members, getting people home, getting people off of cruise ships that are not operational. Do you realize how many people were, I don't want to use the word stranded because the reality is we're all stranded right now. What are you doing right now? You know what I mean? Are you running around? If you want to, you know, can you on a whim wake up and just decide you want to go to this place or that place? No, you have to give careful consideration to every move you make. So I'm sure it is a little bit better of a situation for us, but 
When I say stranded, I mean people who are living on cruise ships, employees of the company whose contracts ran out, and they're just basically existing. They're, they're living at sea, and they don't have anything going on. They're, they're just chilling. They're, and the reason I say, you know, good for them because they're getting fed. You know, some of the, some of the, I guess, some of the biggest issues with this quarantine, uh, the needs that people have are being met with those people who are quote unquote stranded at sea. Yes, you are stranded. Yes, there's a lack of freedom, a lack of ability to kind of have free will to go wherever you want besides that cruise ship. But they are uh, a part of a community, which many people on land are not. There's many people out there losing their marbles because they cannot. You know what I mean? That Friday happy hour trip to the bar at 5 o'clock after work was everything to them. You know what I mean? That whatever that meetup group that they're a part of, where they kind of learn how to play the guitar or do yoga in the park on Sundays, that was everything to them. Not everybody is blessed with a large circle of friends and family. So there's a lot of people out there losing it. If you're on a cruise ship, quote unquote stranded, you do have a community. Also food, you know what I mean? What's the basic needs for survival? Is food and clothing and shelter, right? They got all of that. Which is a lot more that you can say for a lot of people. Having said that, it is an issue. And you, if, if, if people do want to get home. So CDC was doing a very diligent job working with the cruise lines and different, I guess, uh, you know, municipalities and governments to get people home. So that's what they were doing. And a lot of that job, from what I hear, is you know nearly complete. Now they have, I guess, the uh, wherewithal to be able to go and start talking about uh, what needs to happen for us to get back to sea on our pleasure cruises. Now, what they are seeing also is that there are a litany of issues. And I personally think now I don't you know, when it first came out, the document, so we're, just to catch you up, CDC put out a questionnaire. I think it's about just under 30 questions uh, asking you, the cruiser, your opinion on these steps and what would have to happen for us to be able to get back to sea, to lift the cruise ban, the cruise halt. And my first reaction, again, you know me, fly off half cocked half the time. So I was a little kind of, uh, I wouldn't say offended, just like, you know what, come on. You're you're the CDC. You're asking us what you should do. You're asking us what steps and measures should be taken. You're asking us about budget questions, about liability issues. You're asking us, who are we? We're just trying to go, I just want to go on vacation. I'm not looking for a freaking homework assignment, but... There are enthusiasts out there that are very, very excited about this homework assignment. So my thing was, is like, clearly this is a, a deflection. Clearly this is almost like, and I kind of was like, all right, is this a big brother thing? Do you want to cap? I'm a little skeptical. Today I feel like everything is about data capturing your personal information that they can do whatever they want with. You know what I mean? And I don't really consider myself that big of a conspiracy guy, but that's real out there. You guys know that. Every time you, uh, you know, sign up for something or vote for something. Why do you need my email address? Why do you need this? Why do you need all this data for me to kind of any 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 survey online, you know? So, but this the interesting thing about this one is that you can't submit it online. You have to print out the PDF and you have to mail it in. So, I am still skeptical about it in a lot of ways in that really do you think the CDC, you know, 
A, do you think they have the time to go through the thousands and thousands? These, these are complex questions, okay? These are detailed questions. You could go online and check it out anywhere. Just find out CDC questionnaire. Uh, let's, how do we get back into cruising? I should have more details on that. But hey, guess what? I don't. Uh, you could find it, though. It's not, it's, not, it's not hard to find. But, you know, they're pretty elaborate questions, like 28 questions, and they're like, uh, some of them have two and three parts to them, A, Bs, and Cs. Now, who, who do they have the HR to, to go through and sit there and read Mary from Connecticut and Joe from Wisconsin? Are they really going through each and every one of them? B, are they actually using them, Right. Is it a scenario where, you know what, this whole question on who should be liable, should cruise lines put somebody in charge who is uh, basically the fall guy? This is a person who is accredited. They have their, uh, they supposedly have the information and the knowledge and the background to be able to take responsibility and be accountable for putting rules together and in that regard, only allowing ships to sail if all of these rules are followed. And if they're not, this one guy who heads up this department is accountable. Maybe from a financial, even from a legal, from a, you know, this guy could pay for this with his freedom if he screws it up. But, you know, they're asking you that. They're asking you, should somebody be held accountable? Should that position exist of ultimate account- accountability? The buck stops there. And what do they say? You know, Steve from New Mexico has the answer on this. You know, we were really as as an organization, the CDC, we was we were stumped. We were stuck. But you know what? Thank God for Joe from Ohio because he weighed in and we're using Joe's Joe from Ohio suggestion. I mean, so what I'm getting to is this. They put this questionnaire out, in my opinion, again, we're going conspiracy, I guess, again, and my opinion so it's not fact but my ultimate feeling on it is the purpose of this questionnaire is to let you guys know you know what i mean why to it's basically to extend or ask for a little bit of patience right so you guys read this questionnaire and you're like oh i didn't think of that oh wow yeah that's true too you know what that's a good question right there. What are we, so now for all these people shaking their fists about, you know what, we got to get back to sea. They're taking cruising away from us. This is wrong. Uh, their purpose, I'm not saying right or wrong. Their purpose is to get you to look at all this stuff and realize, oh, okay. Yeah, we may be a little further along, uh, further away from starting back up again than we originally thought we were. So I don't know if you guys agree with that, but it just... Just to get the, the feel I get. And of course, yes, you know, it can't hurt. Will, I'm saying, will it all get thrown in the trash? No. I'm sure some of it will be analyzed and there will be. I don't know if they're hiring a set, another team to come in and check everything out. I don't know what they're doing as far as what the what the policy is. I would like to know that. How are, what are you doing with this data? Is there a team that is being outsourced? Are you tasking already existing people who work at the CDC uh, what, what are you doing with the data? Data? How are you analyzing the data? And how are you compartmentalizing the data? What are you doing with it? I would be very, very interested to know that policy and that procedure. And quite frankly, I think it's fair to, to ask for that. 
Wait, what are you doing with this? You know, is it going to sit on top? You know what? It's you know, and if the answer is we're going to do with it what we feel what we feel fit, what we see fit to do with it, that's okay. You know what I mean? Answer us that. Make them say that. You know, we don't really have an actual plan. We're going to look at some of it. We're going to try to get to all of it. Or is there? You know what? We just hired a team of fifteen people, and their sole responsibility is to analyze this data. And I guess, uh, you know, send it to the appropriate people, you know, when you do see who's in charge as to what is a good idea. If you're telling us you're really asking us our advice on this, then how are you handling that advice? Who who gets to see it? Where does it go? Who makes the determination of whether whether it's a stupid suggestion or it's actually a valid suggestion? I'd like to know the policy, the uh, procedure on that whole thing. All right, that's my talk on that. So also we have Carnival. Carnival is doing a lot of reshuffling. This is a couple of days old news, but it is worth bringing up. Um, The biggest news in this department is the discontinuing slash ending slash selling to scrap of two Carnival fantasy class cruise ships now we've been waiting for this we knew it was coming we talked about a costa ship we talked about princess sh- old princess ships we know some of these ships that were out there that they had originally announced part of carnival corporation were sold and probably would be scrapped and you're going to see a lot of that right now now if times were normal if we were during good, you'd see a lot of these ships would sell and they would get some use out of it. But right now in the middle of a cruising halt, most of these ships are probably going to be sent to scrap. So uh, Carnival is ending the Carnival Fantasy and Carnival Inspiration. And they uh, Carnival Fantasy just today ran aground. And you'll hear in the interview with Tony how he explains how... Um, you know, when when they are going to scrap a cruise ship, they don't just send it into dry dock. They basically just hit the gas and beach it, basically. And then they just start ripping it apart from there. And that process, within I think it's been a matter of hours that the fantasy class has been beached and will begin the very, very sad process of being uh, ripped apart and sold to scrap. Same fate will happen for the inspiration. Now, this is going on in a, uh, a Turkey, a, 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 what would you call it, a scrapyard in Turkey. Um, there is also going to be a cold layup. And when we talk about a cold layup, we understand that that means, you know, if there's different stages of operationality as we continue to make up words. We've been away for a while, guys, but we don't just stop doing what we do. And making up words is part of that. So the operationality uh, has a couple of different phases. Obviously, it's in service. It's running up and running fine. A warm layup is out of service. And because it's laid up, you can save some money on the resources you're going to have to put towards that cruise cruise ship because it's not up and running. Okay, Uh, but then you have a but also the advantage is it can return to service quickly, but then you have a cold layup. A cold layup means we ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Okay, so we're cutting costs further and we're that much further away from being able to be put back into operation. And a cold layup is what is happening for Carnival Fascination and Carnival Imagination. So basically the fantasy class, which had eight ships by far more than any other class of ships in the fleet. I think any fleet, right? Fantasy class. I don't think any other fleet. Oh, any other fleet 
in any other cruise lines has more than eight ships to a particular class, right? I don't know. So um, that's what's going down. Carnival fascination, carnival imagination, cold layup. And you know what? You're going to, at this point, you'd be surprised if they ever saw the light of day again. Then you have carnival fa- fantasy and inspiration, which are over finished done with all right so there is some good news from carnival uh in november of 2022 that's the expected launch of carnival mardi gras sister ship i don't think they named it yet but it is part of what they're calling the excel class and the carnival mardi gras the newest biggest baddest most innovative craziest wildest ship from carnival is scheduled to launch on february 6th 6th 2021 now that's going to be an interesting one going to be a fascinating i guess uh experiment to see whether or not that is actually that date is going to they're going to stay with that date i'm looking forward to hearing from it carnival radiance which is the cruise ship formerly known as carnival victory was supposed to spend some time in europe and then head down to south florida instead right upon its completion it's heading all the way out to the west coast right after its makeover is complete so carnival radiance used to be the carnival victory it's doing one of those i guess um what you call it, refurbishments along the lines of when Carnival Triumph became Carnival Sunrise. It's going to be a beautiful new ship, and that's kind of really good news for the West Coast. You're going to have the Carnival Panorama out there, and you're going to have a brand newly refurbished Carnival Radiance out there. So the West Coast, the Cali people are getting some love, and I, honestly, I couldn't be more happy for them if I tried. Uh, as we said before, there are two cruises taking place right now. Now, I always have trouble saying this, the main chief, the main chief, man chief, uh, it's a German cruise ship. Uh, we talk about that in the interview with Tony, I believe, again as well, and he kind of clears that up. Uh, they are sailing on a three-night journey currently, and they have 1,200 passengers on board, and I believe that's just under half capacity for them. There's also the Explorer Dream out of Taiwan, and that's on a five-day journey, and they have about 900 guests sailing on that cruise ship, and it's going to be cool. I mean, it's going to be a little hard to develop. I actually did try to look up some YouTube videos on that. The only problem is you see it, and it's cool. I like to watch it, but these are not Americans. Uh, It's hard to understand. They don't speak English, so I don't really understand what they're saying and i would you know obviously i'm hoping that a few i don't know i don't even know if they would let any americans on those cruise ships at that point but i you know it would be a little bit it would be a little bit of an easier watch if yes if there was some uh, english speaking videos but i will still continue to monitor those and see how they go because the world is watching them you know what i mean everybody's wondering uh what's going to happen on these two ships and a step in the right direction would be a victory for all of us who are anxious to get back to sea royal caribbean is changing the game the cruise line that is famous for changing the game is doing it again and they're calling this the muster 2.0 no longer and this is probably an example of something that will go way beyond any threat of any pandemic hopefully i mean this will be a big thing right here i think people will actually consider cruising royal caribbean because of this i know nicole will i know i might even you know what i mean you don't have to do a muster drill that's really my 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 feeling on it strongly is that you, you could say whatever you want. Your cruise does not really start until after the muster drill. 
It's like this looming responsibility that you have. It's like homework. It's like the game is on tonight, right? The fight's on tonight. You can't wait to watch the World Series. The Yankees are playing. Mike Tyson's fighting. You know, that's back in the 80s. Nowadays, Deontay Wilder. Yeah, not as big of a household name, but whatever. The fight's on. Uh, You're looking forward. Your favorite show, whatever it is. Beverly Hills 90210. Tommy, why are you stuck in the early 90s? Well, just because I am. That's how it is. What do you want me to tell you? But... First, you have to do your homework. You're so excited for this show that's going to come on, this sporting event, whatever, but your homework, you got four hours of homework right before that, and it's just kind of like a little bit of a downer. It mars the whole feeling. It mars your excitement. For me, maybe I'm overreacting to it, but yeah, you know what I mean? It's not just the quick little mustard drill. It's everything around it too. It's getting there. It's standing there waiting because you know they never start on time. It's the crowd jammed in there with all those people, and then it's the whole once it's dispersed, yeah, good luck trying to find an elevator. You're basically in a rush hour traffic trying to trying to uh, you know disperse from the mustard drill. But either way, yes, I definitely am overreacting. But I still will stand by the fact that I don't think my vacation officially starts until the administrative duties are over, and that includes the mustard drill. So from now on, they're going to do it uh, on either stateroom TVs or you can use your mobile device. Uh, you could do it at your leisure, at your own time. I'm sure you're going to have to do it before the ship sails. Uh, once you do complete, I think there's a questionnaire associated with it. Once you do finish it, uh, you go to your assigned assembly area. There will be a crew member there, and they're going to verify that the questions have been answered correctly. And uh, this is kind of like the first dramatic change to this aspect of cruising. We all know the mustard drill is maritime law. You have to do it. It's for safety. And I always say it's ironic because it's like the one thing, the most important thing that always has to be done on every cruise ship. And really, it has not had to come into play at all, ever, right? When when has it? Did, it, did they have to go to the mustard drills, the mustard stations on that uh, Viking fjords cruise where everybody got evacuated via helicopter when the ship was dead in the water and i'm wondering i think costa too costa when you know that disaster happened uh in the mid 2000s i believe that they had to go to the mustard drills but in a hundred years of cruising you know you probably count how many times on one hand where uh, uh, passengers actually had to go to their mustard drill and follow that procedure yet it still has to be done every single time on every single cruise and i'm not knocking and i'm not saying you shouldn't have to do it but it's just kind of interesting but this is the first dramatic change to that whole procedure in over a decade and last time there was this type of change was when oasis of the seas moved the life jackets from the stateroom to the location of the mustard drill uh, thus basically improving the education and evacuation since they're sitting there at stations so congratulations what else can you say all right that's it pretty much for the cruise news for right now let's jump into our interview with tony from lalita loca All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Always be booked cruise podcast on the line. We have a very special guest, Tony from Lalita Loca. Welcome, Tony. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. What's going on, Tommy? Doing good, sir. How are you? Okay. Well, let me ask you. I'm glad you said it. Are, are you doing good? <laughs> I, I guess that's the main question because I do watch your videos as, as you know, 
thousands of us do. And I do, when I watch you, I do get a sense of calm. I do get a sense of, you know, everything's kind of like, okay. And I, and I guess I would say it's very helpful, but let, let's be honest, behind the scenes, are you are you really, as a, are, are, is everything okay? How are you staying sane throughout all this stuff? Uh, you know, I, I am a, a hopeful optimist, right? So I'm always looking on the daily for the signpost that may indicate that things are getting good. It's tiring. It's fatiguing to, you know, look at the same negative news every day and to see the struggles that people are going through and to see the struggles that the industry that we love is going through. But then, you know, I, I do feel a responsibility to say, okay, well, what's the what's the nugget of sunshine? And, you know, maybe it's too Pollyannic. Maybe it's not realistic. But I do seem to find things that are hopeful. Uh, I do see cruising resuming in some places. And so, uh, it's a mixed bag, right? I, I'm like everybody else. I'm I'm fatigued with all of this staying at home and not being able to do the things I'm used to do. But at the same time, I, I do try to find what the silver lining is. And some days that's easier than others. So uh, I would say overall, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Uh, things could be worse. Let me put it like that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess another, I guess to piggyback your answer, uh, what what choice do we have, right? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to it but to do it, right? You yeah. either uh, trudge through it and get to the next happy place, or you—I uh, don't know what the other option is, actually. <laughs> exactly. So, what are you? Um, so, I—I I know recently, uh, or now it's, it's still relatively recently, I guess. You did make the trek and uh, you know relocate down to Florida, and I believe that's somewhere on the west coast, a little bit northwest, right? What? Uh, how is how is uh, Florida treating you so far? Yeah, Florida's, Florida's great. So we'd been living for the last few years in North Carolina, probably like the last five years in North Carolina. And then just in January of this year, we moved to uh, Spring Hill, Florida, which is north of Tampa by about 45 minutes or an hour. This is actually where my wife lived uh, from the time she was 15 to the time she was 30 when I snatched her up and took her out of Florida. And so this was kind of like a coming home for her. And we were super excited. Her mother lives here. Of course, there's access to all kinds of cruise ports in Florida. And so uh, we got into that cruise life when we were landlocked basically there in North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina, you can get to the coast. We weren't near the coast. But uh, yeah, so we were glad to get near a cruise port. And then, of course, as soon as we come down here, everything shuts down. And we went like four months without being able to go the 15 minutes to see my mother-in-law. So uh, it's a it's a mixed bag, but it's nice being in Florida. The weather's good. Uh, you know, we, we got a place here that's nice. And so I, I let me put it like this. I'm, I'm much happier being sort of isolated here in Florida than I would have been in North Carolina. So uh, it's a positive that we moved here, but some of the things that we wanted to take advantage of after we moved here, we haven't been able to yet. So that's been a little frustrating. Yeah, I would say probably the same thing, even though I'm from New York. And wow, I'm interested. It's interesting to hear. Shout out to Jenny. We love Jenny over here. Uh, What is, so Jenny got that much New York by the time she was 15 on, she got out of there at 15 years old? Yeah, yeah. So she lived on the island, you know, uh, she's a Long Island girl. Same with me. uh, but her, you know, her parents are both very, uh, you know, New York through and through. You know, her father is from the Bronx and her mother's from Brooklyn. And uh, so it's all about New York. So, yeah, a, a very heavy 
uh, indoctrination of New York in just those 15 years. And of course, where we live, uh, what happened is a lot the developers of this area specifically targeted areas in New York to get people to come down here. They, you know, so it, it's almost like another community of New York here. And so uh, it, it, it wasn't enough Florida to push the New York out of her in those 15 years, I guess I would say. You know, you do hear that. You hear that uh, obviously South Florida is a New York hotbed, especially Boca Raton and places like that. But um, that that kind of I feel like that may have happened naturally. I did hear that the same. Uh, I did hear that same thing that there was uh, a little bit more of a manufactured kind of uh, attempt to get a lot of New Yorkers to come to that specifically that Tampa or surrounding area. So that is true, right? It's interesting. The way she tells the story is like, you know, somebody came to a civic center up there on the island in Long Island and gave a presentation like, come to this new community down in Florida. So it was a hard press by developers to actively, (laughs) you know, pursue people from New York to this. The cool thing about it. So uh, I grew up in the Midwest. I spent time in, uh, you know, Tennessee and Virginia. One thing that we didn't have in those areas are like a, a block. Like when I went to Long Island for the first time, I was I was surprised that you could go from one neighborhood to another and you would come upon a block that would have a pizzeria, that would have a Chinese restaurant, that would have a bagel shop, and then you would go just like two blocks and you'd have, you know, a bakery, uh, you know, a bagel shop, a, a pizzeria, a Chinese place. And so uh, that's kind of what it's like over here. Like there's a lot of those kind of places. Like it has a real neighborhood feel where we live. And I do believe that that's because of the Northeastern uh, influence. Uh, this is this has been a great move for me because everything is so close. And where we lived in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, it, it took forever to get to anything. And uh, but no, th- it really does have a northeastern vibe here, you know, on the west coast of Florida, which is interesting. Yeah, and I see you've been getting some good use out of that pool, huh? Swimming pool, man. Like I, we had the debate whether or not to, you know we're just renting a place, and so uh, a lot of a lot of places have pools in Florida, but we could have got a cheaper place. But it's like, all right, maybe we'll spend a little extra to have a pool. That'll be nice. Maybe people will come visit us because we have a pool. It has really been. Yeah. Uh, one of those things because of being in this house for so long, the pool is almost like uh, it, it almost makes you forget about the fact that you're locked down in the house. It's It's been one of the best money spent during the lockdown is the little extra we pay to have that pool. And of course, you know what? Spend the money. It's not like there's going to be a pandemic on the horizon, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So I guess switch it over to cruising. Um, one of the questions I had, and one of the one of the questions I, I kind of ask a lot of the people who I know are dialed into, you know, cruising like I am. What is, you know, when we're, when things are going status quo with cruising, we'll grab cruises as they come across. You know what I mean? Like, all right, this one seems like a great deal. Maybe I'll sacrifice some itineraries. This one seems like a great cruise ship. Maybe I'll pay a little more. This one, I really love the itinerary. You know what? Maybe the price is a little higher and the ship isn't really where I want to go. So you usually kind of, I guess, no matter what, you're always kind of, I guess, compromising a little bit. Now, for me... Stepping away has me kind of, I guess, recalculating or reevaluating what I want in my cruise and what are some of the cruise goals that I have, some of the things that I've never done before that I want to do, or some of the things that I've done but I want to do again really fast. Is there anything that this whole mess has made you think about that makes you want to jump back into as soon as we're able to cruise again? Yeah, so I had a couple of interesting experiences. We're not that long into the cruise life. I think my cruise number is like 13 cruises. And we started out like most people did. You know, we came down. Well, our first cruise was out of Mobile, Alabama. 
uh, it ended up going to Key West, Florida. And then we got into that cycle where we would jump on cruise ships and go to the Caribbean. And at the end of the day, I'm not really a sun and fun kind of guy, right? Like I, I don't like to hang out at the beach. It's not really my vibe. And so the interesting thing going to the Caribbean a lot, you really have to work to have something that doesn't have a sun and fun beach component to it. Right. And, uh, but what happened to me is before, right before all this stuff went sideways, I had the opportunity to go, uh, and go to Asia and actually go, uh, I went to Shanghai, I went to Japan, I actually cruised around Japan and that opened my eyes that I could cruise in a way that didn't necessarily look like what it does in the Caribbean. And so during this downtime, that's really been the evaluation. Usually our criteria for picking a cruise, we, we kind of try to, we, this is what we told ourselves. When we first got into cruising, we met a lot of people that were hardcore brand loyalists. Like, I'm only going to cruise on this cruise line. And, you know, why? Oh, because they give you these points. And then you start doing the math on the points and the loyalty. And it's questionable about whether that's a good reason to be brand loyal. And so I just stubbornly decided, look, I'm going to try as many different cruise lines as possible. And I never want to repeat the same cruise ship. And so we, we've held on to that. You know, I think we're five different cruise lines now. We've never repeated a cruise ship. And so that's kind of been our motivation when it comes to like Jenny will say, oh, I see this cruise here. And I'm always asking her like, okay, is it a different line? Is it a different ship? But now I want, you know, like I am so this, this time down has really made me go. I want to go somewhere like Europe. I want to go to the Mediterranean. I want to go to the Baltic. I want to cruise around the British Isles. I think it's shifted the way I think about it. Normally, like if I'm thinking about cruising to the Caribbean, I'm just looking at the ship. I just want the coolest ship. I'm going to skip some ports. I don't necessarily care to get off at the ports. But now if I want to be port centric, you're going to have to take me somewhere like over to Europe. And that I think that that's what's going to that's what our next phase of cruising is going to look like. I think it's going to be going uh, across the pond and doing some stuff that's way out of our comfort zone. That's kind of cool. And the way things look you may be able to have access to that quicker than you might be able to have access to the Bahamas just across the, uh, you know, the river here. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, you know, right now, because of the situation with what's going on in the United States, it doesn't look like any country's like really excited to get, you know, American passengers, but you know, maybe it will, maybe international air flight will clear up before cruising starts. I, I, I don't know. Like, I think that's the thing that's frustrating me most about this and not to get too into the ideology of, of what's going on in the United States, but I, I don't really feel like uh, we're, we're making our best effort. I guess that's the easiest way to say it without picking a side. I, I feel like, I feel like we should be doing better with the, with the virus here in the United States. And for whatever reason, whichever side you want to be on, uh, I think we could all agree that it's just not working out great and so that's the frustrating thing like now this point in my life i have more of a desire to travel places than i ever have like it's so weird in the u.s you don't necessarily have that desire to travel because you can go to all these different states and leaving the country is not a big priority well now that i have this big desire to leave the country i just can't do it and i think that is a a big point of frustration for me right now yeah no and i guess it's i totally agree with you 100 percent. and i guess it's kind of worth repeating if people who have uh heard the patreon they heard me say this before i think it i think the handling of the virus and i don't like to pick a side either myself but i just think i i I feel well lately i feel strongly that um the 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 worst result that can happen comes from not making the wrong decision making the wrong decision isn't the worst thing you could do it's making no decision 
And right. when you have it as a scenario in our country where everything has gotten so polarized that whatever you want to call it, compromise, disagreement, just kind of appeasement here or there, what's happening is no decision is being made. And we're, 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 we're driving that truck right down the middle and no progress is being made. That, that's, that's my mindset on it. Yeah, I think I would agree with that 100%. The the thing that I've noticed over, you know, I'm almost a 50-year-old dude and, you know, I've seen the rise of social media and those kind of things. I'm not laying it all on social media, but this is something that always frustrates me, especially if you're like in a work environment or working with teams. It's not hard for people to uh, point out what's wrong, right? Like everybody seems to be experts on talking about what's wrong. But it, there's fewer people out there that uh, are solution makers, are people that want to lead by coming up with solutions. And so that's what I see. Like if you look at social media, if you look at all these cruising communities that we're in, you have hundreds and thousands of people that can tell you exactly what's wrong and very few people showing any kind of leadership to say, well, we should try this or we should try that. And it's it's frustrating because to me it's that lack of not trying to solve a problem that I think has us in the mess that we're in. It, it, you know, everybody sitting around and telling you what's wrong is really a waste of time, in my opinion. Uh, what I'm really excited about is when you run into the people that are like, okay, well, let's see if we try this. Let's try this solution. Maybe this will work. And uh, I think we have a lot less of that and more on the other side of people going, you know, what else is wrong? This and that. It's like, yeah, okay, we can all figure the wrong out, but let's try to work on the right. A hundred percent. Now, have you uh, managing your, your YouTube page and managing your group on Facebook, have you found that to be a little bit challenging during these times? And has that directly affected your ability to kind of manage the group? It's, you know, to me, it's not really any, so to distill down these virtual communities, and I'm a big advocate of building community. One of the most uh, exciting things for me out of my whole YouTube social media journey is the fact of uh, being able to bring different people together under the common banner of cruising and people actually making friendships. I've seen a lot of that. Uh, It's been true before the pandemic, after the pandemic. There's just some people that never want to stay on topic. Like we went through this whole, uh, you know, ridiculous thing over the last couple of days in our Facebook group about, you know, nobody nobody wants to stay on topic. Somebody says, hey, w- what's your opinion of all inclusive? And somebody goes, well, you know, the COVID's killing thousands of people. And I'm like, okay, that's not, nobody cares. Like, no, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know why people don't get that. Like the person that's asking, "What's your opinion of all inclusives?" They they give zero. They they don't care at all about your opinion on COVID. And so I think the problem with a lot of virtual communities is people. You know, people are frustrated. Like you know, to to t- kind of take it out and be empathetic. Everybody's struggling, man, and everybody is having a hard time. And there's a lot of times you just don't feel like your voice is being heard. And so sometimes people just go anywhere possible and then they just throw up everything that they got so that they can feel like they're heard. But uh, I think real community thrives and prospers when, as a group of people, we come together and say, all right, we're going to stay on topic. We're going to support each other. We're going to. And so sometimes you just got to nudge people in that direction. I feel like I do a lot of that. And again, I might be too much of an idealistic person. And, uh, and I do kind of, you know, work really hard to make that community a good community. But you know how it is. Like you see some, some groups out there that, you know, there's no control and it just turns into a bunch of people being horrible to each other. And I'm like, why, why would anybody want to participate in that? You know, but it's, you know, 
it, it's there's again there's worse challenges to have but yeah i do see a level of frustration in these communities that that probably is heightened because of the current situation but i do see tendencies that aren't abnormal to the situation where people just want to say whatever and not really stay on topic so it's an interesting dance uh, but I, I like it because again at the end of the day i feel like people who build these communities uh i I think it's neat to bring people together and all of a sudden you see friendships and those kind of things birthed out of it so i I try to always balance that positive with the with the negative no i got you i i never would have thought that social media would be something that'd be able to bring down our society but you know maybe maybe being a little bit more of a cynic than you unfortunately uh, I have my doubts on whether or not we can we can navigate our way through this and, you know, the cooler heads prevail and the people who, you know, are more solution driven, as you call it, rise to the top. I'm 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 skeptical of whether that's possible. And, and I also hear now, I don't know, I just heard totally anecdotally, but I heard some theories getting thrown around of people saying that, you know what, this is going to be regulated Two two separate things I heard. First, I heard someone say that, you know what, if social media existed, but comments were just ripped down, that would change the world. If, if we can just, if we could post whatever we wanted. But then we, if we wanted a debate, we'd still have to hunt that person down and tell them what we wanted regarding their post. We would have to go in and say, hey, listen, I don't, I don't really agree with you. That would change the whole dynamic versus comments. Very simply, comments. If they were eliminated, that would be a big thing towards, I guess, maybe uh, bringing everybody back to earth, proverbially. Um, and then the other thing I heard people say was that within a few years – People are going to realize, yes, free speech, free speech. Everybody wants free speech. I mean, you can go out your window and say whatever you want, free speech. But social media may not be as free speech driven in the future as it is now. There may have to be uh, some sort of verifiable, um, I guess, body that will, I guess, regulate what can be said, whether it's from a private individual account or a company there may be things that you know if you say something that's completely wrong or hurtful or an out and out lie you you may there may be some accountability what do you think about either of those two things working their way into the social uh the social media atmosphere yeah i mean both of them interesting ideas i'm thinking about like current events right now i know they're the twitter uh the the president uh, had tweeted something last night and Twitter had determined that it was uh, not valid. It was fake news, and they took it off the Twitter account. Now there's a great debate saying, well, it wasn't fake news. Uh, Twitter just had a political agenda. So th- the reason I bring that up is that it does show you that the people who build the playground, the people that build the house, ultimately have control. So what do you do in a situation where uh, where somebody's agenda could override somebody's speech, right? So that's a situation that you have uh, in play, almost to the point of what you're talking about, where Twitter could regulate. But then how do you know that Twitter is legit? And I would think it would have know, to be imp- some sort of a third party probably, yeah, right? Impartial, unbiased, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's so weird to me. Like when I, when I think about what I see going on with the uh, pandemic, uh, I, I, I never thought – I never thought that American idealism and American individualism would create such a divide that we could not tackle this problem as a group. Uh, you know, th- th- there's so much information out there. There's so many theories out there. There's so many, uh, you know, no matter what you say, somebody's going to tell you that it's wrong. And what that has caused 
is the inability of a group of people to pull together and tackle something. It really scares me. It really scares me because I believe in the American dream. I believe in American idealism. I believe that, you know, th- this country is great for a reason, but have we gone too far as individuals to where we can no longer, you know, work together and get anything done? I, I really feel like that's what we see during these last four months where, you know, people that, that you, you just think are like, on your side all of a sudden because you have one difference in opinion it's not about working with you it's about fighting with you and it's i just see that time and time again and it's it's a little scary for me because i just i just always believe that we could solve any problem and and uh, i'm starting to doubt that i can break down the moments when i'm you know kind of you know we all we're all looking to fill up airtime here when i'm on my patreon broadcast and i say something and something slips out that i know i a, a ding a bell goes off in my mind i was like oh there you go there's two or three lost subscribers right there from you <laughs> just saying that and, and i'm and i'm in the middle i try to be as moderate as possible which is probably worse because you know what you just instead of pissing off one side you're pissing off everybody but um regarding that i just i think that I, and that's the letters the correspondence that i get from people a lot from abroad and they're very respectful in how they say it but they do hint to that they just kind of hint to you guys just something about america which the individualism is just that's that's not letting you guys get a handle on this thing it's like a you know everybody you know america seems to be a little bit more about the individual and and i don't know i haven't wrapped my mind around it i'm just listening i think you're in a good space and you're in a good position uh the best position to be able to try to solve problems when you collect data and you collect all the information so i haven't necessarily i'm not going to be like screw you red white and blue all the way i'm not going (laughs) to take that route i'm gonna listen you know what maybe maybe they don't get what america is maybe they just don't get it or maybe there is something to be said for what they're saying and you know what maybe we should like you just alluded to adapt a little bit more of a kind of come together type of mentality well it's interesting i mean if you think about you know big tragedies if you think about 9 11 that was a that was an event where where people pulled together for a common good and it's not about comparing numbers but you know, the, a lot more people have passed away than 9-11. And somehow the sentiment in the country at that time was like, yeah, let's figure out what we can do. Let's band together around this. But with this one, it's like, well, so what? Some people died. That's the weirdest thing to me, right? I do think that that's where we're going in this country. Eventually, it's just going to be, all right, everybody gets it. And hopefully people you know don't die, which is a weird It's a yeah. weird thing. Like, yeah. Hey, uh, well, you know, because somebody that early on or it wasn't even early on, somebody sent me a very extensive email breaking down the math like, hey, only 800,000 people would die. I know. You know that's but a lot more people would live. Isn't that a good thing? And I'm like, that's a great thing. As long as that 800,000 people isn't like my mom, yeah. you know, like it's it's such a weird, you know, now it's so easy to abstract that and, and pick it. It's. I don't know what's going to happen, man. I just, I, you know, I'm hoping for the best outcome. I watch all this stuff very closely. I see all this, you know, talk about treatments and vaccines. But then as soon as you say, oh, I see like there's a good possibility that a vaccine's coming. You got a hundred people that are going, well, you're not forcing your microchipped funky vaccine yeah. into my body. It's like, okay, then, then what's the solution? You know, it's, 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 it's crazy yeah. times. No, and that's always my thing. Like when people say, you don't, you don't realize that those people had pre-existing conditions. I'm like, okay, Yeah. They did. They had pre-existed. So what? They'd still be alive for 30 years with their pre-existing conditions and treating those pre-existing conditions, if not for this awful, awful virus. I am not. And at the same time, I say it all the time. I am not. Listen, and people are going to get mad at me for this, too. 
I'm not mad at people when I see them getting back out there, going to bars, having some drinks. You know, this is what they touching on what you said before, comparing it to 9-11, this comedian Tim Dillon. I mean, the guy, the guy cracks me up, man. He's just like, you know, this is completely different. We wish there was 9-11 right now. This is this is all different than 9-11 because 9-11, we came together. 9-11, there were, there were wings. There was pitches of beer. There was evildoers. We could all kind of come together and there was yeah. a common enemy. Now this is just this thing that's lurking and looming. But I guess we should probably change course here because it was just interesting to get into that topic with you a little bit and uh, talk about it a little bit. I guess we'll go back into cruising a little bit, but... I guess staying a little bit on the topic, what do you think personally? I'm not talking about what you think should happen or or what, what's going to go on or what your predictions are. Personally, you and Jenny want to go on a cruise. What are some of the things that you are going to want to see happen before you get back on a ship? Honestly, so, you know, I want to see the, the, the health protocols that I want to see are – what happens if there's an outbreak on a cruise ship? What What is the plan to make sure that here, here's, here's what I know. Virus spreads well on a cruise ship. I don't, I hope nobody's arguing that that's not true. If something gets on a cruise ship, it's, it's challenging. Now we can compare that to a hundred other different industries, but that's still not going to erase the fact that if something gets out of control on a cruise ship, it's going to spread to a lot of people. We see that with norovirus. We see that with a lot of stuff. Now, so what's the cruise line going to do when that happens? I think it would be, I think it would be, I, I just don't think that you can say that there's never going to be another outbreak on a cruise ship. So how are you going to deal with that? Because it wasn't dealt with well originally. So if I'm getting on a cruise ship, I, I want to know what that plan is. All right. If this goes sideways, what happens to me? I'm an advocate for testing people before they get on, right? That's not a popular opinion. Uh, you know, we've been watching the news. They're testing the crew daily. They're testing all the crew, but then they're letting another couple thousand people on a cruise ship without testing them. It's, it seems crazy to me. Like why, why testing the crew? How does that fix something if you don't test the passenger? So if you get to a place where you can test people on the front end, I, I, w- I would be for that. So, But for me, I mean, that may not be the circumstance. And the, the thing that's challenging is I do think that we could have got back to normal if people would have just like the resistance to the guidelines is what scares me. Like everybody said, let's open stuff up. All you got to do, wash your hands, socially distance, cover your face when you can't socially distance. If you do those three things, we should be able to open up and we won't see this thing explode. And everybody went, well, I'm not doing that. And so <laughs> what, happens when, what happens when we go cruising again? It's like, all right, if you want to cruise again, we're going to be testing all the crew. We're going to be testing your temperature. We want you to tell the truth on your health questionnaire. We want you to social distance. And then when you can't social distance, we want you to cover your face and make sure you wash your hands. Those very difficult things. We want you to do those things. And then you got a whole group of people. I've done surveys in my group. You got a whole, like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, what about the, how are we going to get back? And so, but yeah, for me and Jenny, you know, we're both kind of heavy people and we've been fortunate. We've been staying hunkered down. Uh, we don't know what would happen if we got the virus. And uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I would feel the most comfortable if I knew that, you know, once we got on the cruise ship, the odds of the virus being on the cruise ship would be low. And then if for some reason we got it, we, we could get off of there and get the medical treatment that we need. It's going to be a challenge. I, I don't think, I think cruising is going to start before there's a vaccine. And I think we're going to have to rely on these health protocols and uh, they will be tested that I'm a hundred percent certain that these health protocols will be tested. And, you know, you just see it like the ADA, Aida, I don't know how do you say Aida. 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 I, Aida. I, I, sometimes I just use the letters. 
Yeah, A I D A. Yeah, they say it's like the opera. You know, they're they're trying to put the they're trying to put the crew back on the two cruise ships, and uh, you know, the crew they test negative, and then they fly over to Germany, and then they test positive. Yes, yeah, saw that. There's like uh, what was it like ten of them, right? Yeah, ten of them. So it, it it's going to happen. There's going to be the virus is going to be on a cruise ship. So I think how the cruise lines respond is going to be a big thing for me about how comfortable I feel, but I, I'm not ready to give up on that cruise life, but man, I really hope they got a good plan in place and that people would follow the guidelines. Please don't lie on your health questionnaire. If we can take one thing away from that, yeah. please don't lie. You're hundred percent right. And like, it's, it's, it's comparable to what, what a lot of the things that we're looking forward to get back to normal, like baseball, you know what I mean? Everybody's like, all right, let's get baseball going. Let's make it happen. Let's, you know, we all, we all want a distraction. We all want to do some stuff and get, get just any semblance of, of normalcy. And you have that going on, and you're supposed to have this bubble, and everybody's supposed to be tested. And our baseball team down here in Miami, 17 members of the traveling organization, whether it's coaches or players, tested positive. I mean, how is that How is that even possible? Man. So, yeah, what you're saying is right. Like, um, there's going to be coronavirus on a cruise ship at some point. And, yes, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, A, how it is handled. And kind of, I guess, like, what would you say? Contained. And then also, how does that change the, I guess, the confidence in the industry? Those two things you got to be watching closely for. Well, the, th- the thing that's frustrating is people that love cruising, people that are tied to the cruising industry, I've, I feel like their confidence level is high. I've seen very few people saying, look, I'm never going to cruise again. But the cruising industry is under attack. I, you know, I don't know if it's because of the whole flags of convenience. I don't know if it's an easy scapegoat. I don't know if it's the fact that cruising has to report more than other industries. Uh, but man, it's like at least everything that I see cruising is in the crosshair, crosshairs. And I, I don't know whether I think it's fair or unfair. I just see the reality that, that cruising has an uphill battle. And so every move that's being made going forward is going to be under the microscope. And so, uh, look, and of course, I think the people that lead these cruise companies, they know that. They're smart people. And so what I'm hoping to see as cruising resumes in, the, in North America is that, uh, you know, the ducks are in a row. You know, sometimes we see some of this stuff like, you know, and like when the when Princess got busted for dumping oil in Glacier Bay, they kind of went, wow, I didn't realize that was happening. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's going to work in this scenario. There's too much on the line here. So, I mean, I really hope that, like I said, somebody's way ahead of this from a leadership perspective for the return to cruising. Because if not, I think it, I think it'll be in trouble. Right. And I think in, uh, another part of, you know, I guess the concern with cruising. Everybody talks about how it's a contained, controlled, small area. Nobody can go anywhere. You have to kind of also consider. The fact that why we love cruising is also why it seems to be looked at as a little bit of a liability. You know what I mean? Like on an average seven-day cruise out of Miami, you're hitting four locations. So not only are you, I guess, uh, in in the bubble of the cruise ship, but you're also sailing to four different nations. And you're bringing two, four, th- 6,000 people off of a cruise ship that may or may not be infected or have a or have a um, an epidemic going on and you're sending them to four different countries a pop every you know it just it just i see why the concern is there a little bit so you do have to kind of consider that too yeah i I don't disagree i mean it's it's a unique situation and again but i think it's i think it's one that could be managed and and kind of well managed definitely i think that's what i think that's what killed it early on you know you saw examples of 
you know, cruise ships maybe knowing that there were people on board, letting people off. And, and then it would happen at the local port. They'd let people go to airports. And, and nobody really knew what they were dealing with early on in this process. But uh, we're past the not knowing what's going on part. And so I think it's it's really going to take some special some special oversight to make sure that this goes well. And that's why I'm excited about what's going on in, in Europe. I'm excited that mine chief did the three day cruise and actually didn't get off the cruise ship. So I'm hoping those can start being some, uh, you know, test cases of where things go right. Um, can, can you say that? Can you say that one again for me? How do you, uh, ADIA? I don't know that one. I don't know the other one either. Mine chief. chief. Mine chief is a, they're the cruise ships by Tui cruise lines that uh, yeah. Royal owns part of those. But Mine Chief, uh, it translates a German where it translates into my ship. Okay. So they've got like three or four of them. Mine Chief one, two, and three and four. I love and the so look yeah, of those they, ships. I really like the way they look. They, they look really. What What was interesting though? This is kind of a funny story. The first time I ever saw one, I was on the, uh, gosh, I think I was on the MSCC side. I don't remember what port we were in, but uh, these people like to get naked. Let me just say that. <laughs> like they're very, they're very loose. So we were docked uh, somewhere, maybe in St. Martin. We were docked in St. Martin, and the Mine Chief ship pulled up. I, I kid you not, there was a lady shaving her half-nude husband's back on one of the balconies. It was it was gross, but okay, hard to look okay, away no. from all at the same time. I mean, they, they were very free with themselves on the mine sheaf. So uh, it, it was pretty interesting. It's like, that's got to be a European cruise ship because these people are really relaxed. But yeah, it, it was uh, it was kind of cool. But those ships are those ships look great. And, and of course, they, you know, if they can get cruising and... Again, it wouldn't surprise me if if we see an outbreak in the first month or something like that. It's going to be interesting to see how. I'm not wishing it, but it'll be interesting to see how the cruise line responds to it. All right, speaking of weird stuff on cruise ships, I'm kind of in that little zone of kind of, you know, that's that's my little box, I guess. I kind of tell a lot of the wacky stories and the things, my hijinks at sea with my crazy band of wacky pirates. Um yeah, go go as deep as you'd like, or or avoid it altogether. But you know, I think maybe the always be booked, and you know the Lalita Loca fam who are maybe kind of crossing over, listening to listening to this, maybe want to hear a little crazy story from Tony. Is there? Do you ever, you and Jenny, or anybody that you're cruising with? Is there an exclusive you can give us of anything regarding some some resemblance of a crazy story that you've done at sea? That I so uh, now normally what you say is what happens in the quest stays in the quest. We have we are still like, in the quest. You're in the quest yes, right now. Especially on our group cruises, we have participated in the quest. And so without giving out too much information, you know, there, there's been some antics in the quest. But let me give you a quest story that doesn't necessarily involve me, uh, but a quest that we were in. Smooth. Uh, our, Smooth. We had, we, had a big, we had a big team, the Lalita Loca team, but we picked up a couple stragglers. And it, it, was a, it was a couple who were newlyweds and their parents were there and they were hammered. And uh, this young lady was uh, good to go. And so the quest was for somebody to uh, twerk. And this lady set to twerking and uh, she was near one of our teammates and she reached up and grabbed his hand and asked him to, uh, you know, spank her on the backside. And so he took to it uh, because she was into it. And uh, her new husband, who was a small, frail guy, oh boy, uh, ju- jumped up. He kind of bowed up and uh, got a little mad. But the, the problem for him is that he was surrounded by a bunch of us who are all really big guys. And so that didn't go anywhere fast, but he sat there and drank enough until security almost came and got him. So, uh, (laughs) 
the, the quest that you know I, I think I, I did tell this story a little bit in a video uh, under the guise that the, the quest is not for faint of heart like you got to know your relationship before you go into the quest you got to know what the guidelines are you got to know where the rails are because she went way off the rails and uh, this guy was not right re- he was into it like when she was just twerking and showing off her thong man he was into it but the moment that he she got another dude to put hands on her he was beside himself. It was a little crazy. That, that was probably the craziest thing that I've seen uh, seen on there. And then uh, a short, the story I've shared before, probably the craziest thing that's happened to us is when our, our roof leaked on the uh, Carnival Elation. That was that was kind of a wild night. Oh, yeah, I could imagine. Uh, but, yeah, no. Nah. Yeah, there should be. I think there should be like a uh, somebody should pull off a show like that. Like maybe a retired cruise director or an off-duty cruise director. The uh, Quest Chronicles. You know what I mean? And how oh. have people on the show whose marriages and families were destroyed from the Quest? And you know, <laughs> the just, Quest. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about this. This isn't something I've talked about. I wouldn't talk about it with Jenny. I don't think I don't think I feel com- well. I would feel comfortable talking to Jenny about it, but not necessarily in public. But okay, there's a there's a vibe on cruise ships, right? The the cruise ships they take it up to the point, and I'm talking about like um, sexual tension. All right, can, can we talk about that on the uh, ABB podcast? Yes, sexual tension. Yes. All right, so I feel like it's there on the cruise ship. I think things like the quest. I think like the hairy man contest. Like, do you feel like like I, I bet you could I bet you could put a strip club on a cruise ship and it wouldn't offend some people. What do you think? Wait it's so funny that you brought that up shout out to the shout out to the cruise dudes and you know the cruise dudes i would like i think the world and the cruising society would probably be okay if we just uh, appointed the cruise dudes to run the whole thing to make all the decisions to kind of mandate everything that i think we should just be we have this great resource out there that is the cruise dudes i think they should run the whole thing i'll just say that first second before always be booked was even a thing before i even had a podcast or thought of a podcast uh i reached out i was a fan of you know i was hooked on cruising first couple of cruises in i was hooked Uh, i was a fan of doug and i discovered the cruise dudes so i felt like these guys were out of their minds these wacky two guys they'll talk about anything so i wrote them a facebook message and they actually read it on air and i said cruise dudes help me out why is there no strip clubs at sea? And they got they had they had quite a little fun out of that, and they were like this guy named <laughs> Tommy. And then it took them a while down the road to associate the fact that once they knew that I was kind of in the space, and then I was the same guy who wrote the email. Um, you are one hundred percent right. They should absolutely be gentlemen's clubs. You know what I mean? And tasteful gentlemen's clubs on cruise ships. I mean, this is two thousand twenty. I'm with you. We should we should be heading in that direction, shouldn't we? I think there should be something for the ladies too, but I'm just thinking like, I you know, it, the cruises. I tell you what, I love being with my lady on the cruise ship because it's romantic, it's very sexy. We like that aspect of it, but you can see a lot of people there, like in those quests. Like there is that built up sexual tension, and it, maybe at the end of the day, it like might be too dangerous, right? Like you get a bunch of drunk dudes on a cruise ship in a strip club. You know, how, how do you make sure they're not you know doing the wrong thing? That kind of thing. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I, I think you see something like adults only, like a virgin or something like that. It, it just does seem like there would be something. But, you know, I, I guess a cruise line that's presenting itself as family friendly, you know, can't pull that off. But I've been on some of these family friendly lines and 
there there's a there's a whole after hours thing that's going on there that I wouldn't necessarily call family friendly. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be like a secret society. But have you ever and I'll just ask you this. I mean I'm not I'm I'm all for equal rights, of course. Everybody gets you know, if you're gonna do it for major but have you ever been in in in, in that male strip club environment however you have have you ever found yourself in one of those at any time i have not i mean i you know i've heard the stories of it i've heard the stories of the shows that kind of thing but i have never i've never witnessed that firsthand i didn't know what i was getting myself into i was asked to dj one and um i don't i i can't i can't look look at any housewife the same again i I don't there's just massive amounts of (laughs) tony when i say hysteria like guys go in there yeah call us creeps call us whatever you want we go in we get the lap dances we're at the throwing the dollars down making it rain whatever you want to say it it's more of a party atmosphere uh with the male strip clubs and these guys come out these patrick swayze looking dudes start coming out with the whatever the greased up bodies whatever fireman character they're running with um you look at that crowd and there is uh, the, the, let's just say the the anticipation is palpable, and then once they make their way through the crowd, they, they need security. It, these these women are out <laughs> of control. It's a, it's a different thing, man. But yeah, I agree. You know what? Let the ladies have this too, because um, I, I what you just said makes sense. Anytime you're on vacation, that's going to heighten your kind of uh, I guess your inhibitions are, are going to are going to fall to the wayside a little bit. The drinks are going to help out with that a little bit the the caribbean kind of vibe and the music also helps with that and yes you do kind of see uh some wacky stuff go on and yeah i've 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 been i've been uh i would say just fortunate enough to have been participant in a lot of that stuff so it's a good time for sure it's just weird to me that they take it to a certain line right like the the quest show is can be kind of crazy and you know a lot of the stuff that they do on lolita and stuff like that it there is a there is a component a sexy component to it it's like all right well what you know what what are we trying to hide here like yeah let's just go all out yeah why not go all out it's i don't know these are things that i think about but uh again it's uh i wouldn't be allowed to go in because jenny would be looking at me like what do you think you're doing it's like i'm doing research i make videos exactly what a fun part is just the cruise ship is just once once things start to close down it's just an oasis for hiding spots it's great like there's just all sorts of i mean especially and i'll say that about carnival like royal caribbean from what i remember uh, I don't. It's been a minute for Norwegian for a quest for me, but Royal Caribbean's quest is outlandish. It's out of control. It's shock value, but it's not as much just kind of straight out hornbag sex stuff. Right. Uh, Carnival's a different thing. Carnival's yeah. they. Um, it was funny because my last one was with Mike Pack. And he literally spent probably about 10 minutes on the microphone getting us all to repeat. I will. Repeat after me. (laughs) I will not. I will not. Go to the guest services. I will not write letters. I will leave the room right now if anything in the world offends me whatsoever. And he says, I'll still get six letters off tonight. And he was not wrong because uh, the the carnival quest does go in a uh, raunchy direction and i have no issues with that but those who those those people who do have an issue with that they should probably steer clear yeah 100 percent. i mean that that's good advice uh quest on carnival if if you are offended by anything really uh don't go to it yeah so tony what kind of cruiser are you like when you get on board do you have like a certain style do you have like a uh a, a, a rhythm a routine are you a take it as it comes type of guy are you the minute i get on board i'm doing this what are some of the things when you're going to go on a cruise 
what are you going after right away? Yeah, so I'm I'm food, entertainment, and gambling. That's probably the that, that's the easiest way to sum it up. I, I don't drink much, uh, but I do love. Uh, I like to eat, and so and I like to spend time with my lady. So uh, Jenny's not as much into the theater shows and the shows that I am. She likes to gamble and test the fates, so, right? We're testing test fates. Test the fates. Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, for me, since I started making video content, there's another component there where like oh, I, I like to go shoot stuff. You know, like things that I find interesting. I like to take pictures i like to take video but man for me that cruise life is uh sleeping later than i ever do at home staying up as late as possible and uh trying to get the hot dice on the craps table i want to see i want to see a show that's got some sort of circus arts in it or somebody that can sing their their lungs out and uh that's it man i like i find myself just sitting and i like to just sit and and watch what's going on i i just get so into this idea that people can come together and from all walks of life i mean that's what blows my mind you you know for the most part you can't tell anybody's political affiliation you can't tell anybody's what they feel about anything really other than the fact that they love that cruise life and it's 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 great to me like you know again you just so for us, like when we would vacation before or go like on our anniversary trips, we would go to a casino somewhere and stay a couple of days at a casino and try to take in stuff like that. And so cruising was just the perfect fit for me. I do like uh, I'm a I like to learn stuff. And so when I do get motivated to get off a of port, I like to go to museums and I like to walk around and see other cultures and again, experience food from other cultures. But uh yeah, that that that's me. You're gonna you're gonna find me. I don't sleep a lot, but you'll find me all late night in the casino. You'll find me at the main theater, and and usually I'm trying out. You know, the, I like I'm a main dining room guy opposed to the buffet guy. I like to go and have that main dining room experience, and that's kind of what cruising looks like for me. That makes sense, and uh, I get. I guess I would say uh, it comes across a lot in your in your vlogs and things like that. And before we get out of here, I would like to say that. Man, that's one thing I do miss because even when you're not on a cruise, you know, when you really have that love for cruising like we do, and I'm sure you would probably agree with me. Now, I'm not the biggest vlogger while I'm cruising. I'm usually too drunk. But what what I love is just watching. My favorites are whether it's, you know, Sherry, Cruise Tips TV, you and Jenny, um, the Claykowskis, they do a masterful job at editing and things like that. Like, I like that usually – even when you're not, even if there is like a good six to eight months between your cruises, you could sit down after a long day, put your feet up, pour some coffee or some ice cream, whatever you got, go on YouTube's and you can basically see someone who's on a, on a ship, on a sailing. And, um, the vlogs, I really miss. I really miss the the content when it comes to the vlogs. So I guess my, my last kind of topic slash question would be with this, have you considered, kind of i guess deviating from i guess the direct cruise aspect of it whether it's you know uh, the two i most hear are all inclusives or rvs like are you are there any other things that you and jenny have kind of uh had a meeting about and maybe kind of talked about diverting from specifically from cruising yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I do like the vlog. Uh, I, I enjoy going out somewhere and sharing it and capturing it and sharing it. Uh, we, you know, like everybody else, we like, oh, uh, look, do you think we could live in an RV? And then we look at each other like, there's no way we're living in an RV. That just seems like a crazy idea. And, uh, but yeah, we have talked about all inclusives also. Now that we live in Florida, there's, you know, there's tons of people that are showing theme parks and stuff like that. The thing that's frustrating, though, is any variation you come up with there's really nowhere to go where you're just like, okay, is, is everybody being safe right now? And so the, the, the crushing thing about that is not only can I not cruise, but I can't comfortably go anywhere 
because it's uh, it's crazy time yeah. all over the place. And so that's really been the, you know, we would love to try something else, but uh, I just don't know what else we could try where it doesn't involve going and being around people that, you know, we don't really know what the situation is. So we, we've talked about it. I, I can't see us doing anything like that. I could see us going to all-inclusive resorts, that kind of thing. But uh, again, we just look at each other almost on the daily and be like, oh, I guess it's another day we're staying in the house until this gets better somehow. Isn't it funny how that happens? We're all in that same boat where, you know what, you wake up and you're like, well, maybe there's some sort of a hope for today. And then you realize, you know what, looks like the sun's going down and it looks like we're... <laughs> um, well, it- it's gut wrenching because you know we kind of made the commitment to uh, you know we we worked really hard for three years and we decided all right let's let's give this YouTube and travel a go and what's what's kind of crushing so you know I, I live on the creative side I, I do a lot of our you know I do all of our videos and that kind of thing and I'm happy with it I enjoy that kind of work Jenny really enjoys the travel work but what's wild in this deal is that so much of the work that she's doing so much of the time that she spent over the last you know we've been this we got a group cruise coming up in October that we announced two years ago so she's been booking cabins working with people for two years yeah. that now it it could just disappear yeah and so it's kind of gut-wrenching for all the travel agents out there that did all this work that's not going to amount to anything and so you know that's the weird thing you know that you're going to get up and basically undo work that you've already done like when it comes to cancellations and stuff like that it's like all right now i'm yeah. talking here's somebody i helped book their dream cruise their honeymoon cruise and now i get to talk to them today about how that's going away yeah and let's talk about the elephant in the room is that it's actually freaking less money you know what i mean like a lot of times yeah they'll rebook and they'll get the credit or maybe they've paid in full or maybe you're in some sort of but a lot of times they've only left a deposit because of the lack of confidence in the industry and you're waking up and i, I did it today i had two of them today where i just you know okay well you know, no, sorry, but you know, we feel bad, but you know, we just don't feel good. Cancel, okay, cancel, no problem. There goes, uh, <laughs> there goes money that you thought was coming yeah. to you that is no longer doing so. And the and the wild thing is, like, I don't know what situation that you're in, but for us, that you know, we don't get paid until people go on a cruise, and so now you've waited two years for a payday that you're pushing out further, which, you know, Hey, that's, that's the life that we chose. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining about that. Nobody yeah. really has control over the pandemic, but right. just from a, just from a life perspective, it's, it's just a weird, it's a weird phenomenon that nobody really expected. Yeah. No, it's just an ironic kind of just, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but just, yeah, the, you got, you got nothing to do. And the work that you do do is more likely to make sure that you're getting paid less. It's the scenario. But you're getting unpaid. Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. But it's all right. What are you going to do? So what's the, so, all right. So let's, you know, let's, let's keep our fingers crossed about the group cruise, but let's, let's put that aside for right now. And who knows? Uh, but besides that. Tony, when's the next ship you're going to be on, and when, what's the ship? When is it going to be? Where do you see yourself be? Where where do you self? Where do you see yourself next time right, you're so, on a cruise? So if, if it goes, that I mean, that's the next legit cruise based on shutdowns and all that stuff. Eighty-seven days, uh, eight nights, Southern Caribbean to on the Carnival Breeze. Uh, and that was going to be a nice cruise. That was going to be the first, and it, you know, it still could go Half Moon K, uh, Grand Turk. And then uh, Aruba and Bonaire, I think, and Bonaire. Never been to either one of those places. This is going to be a great cruise. That is October the 24th. That's uh, how many days? That's 87 days. So that's past the no sale. That's no, past. No, no. Oh, how many days is the cruise? Oh, uh, eight days. Okay. Eight, ni- eight nights. 
Yeah, it was going to be a great cruise out of uh, Fort Lauderdale. Gotcha. Now, that would be the first time we repeated a ship, uh, the Breeze. And then beyond that, we booked just out of the blue on the Allure of the Seas, which we're trying to get to all of the Oasis-class ships. I really enjoy those ships on Royal Caribbean. That's 137 days. I don't even think I don't even know what the itinerary is just because it was more about the ship than the itinerary. That one says Western Caribbean. So yeah, you'll be doing you'll be hitting Cozumel probably Labadee, La- maybe Labadee, a per- per- perfect day. Falmouth, Cozumel, that's it. Out of Miami. So but that was more about the ship. So we've got that and then we've got we've got Harmony next year on the 7th of February. We've got the le- we're going to go to the Panama Canal. Oh. Uh March the 6th on the Carnival Legend, going to Alaska on the Encore next June, and then we've got a Halloween Mardi Gras. So we got stuff on the books, but I think we've canceled four in this period. So okay, uh, they all seem like a fantasy at this point. So I don't, and, and then they scrapped the fantasy. I was going to bring that up when you did say fantasy. I was like, oh, I, I don't know if there's a pun intended there or not, but yeah, it's, it's definitely sad. I never made my way onto the fan- fantasy, but... Uh, have you followed how any of the scrapping works? It's a fascinating process. Have you seen any of the images? I have not. Did they start it? I know they it got there today. Did they start it? Yeah, the way it works at these scrapyards, and I saw it with the Pullman tour ships, that uh, the three ships that got sold, uh, they run them aground. They don't even dock them. They don't like proper dock them. Like if you went to a cruise port, they just beach the thing, <laughs> and then they bring the equipment over and just start ripping it apart from the front of the ship. Wow. It's such a sad ending, right? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of cheesy thinking about it like that, like it's a freaking inanimate object. But yeah. when you start thinking about the memories and 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 the activities and the milestones that were hit on that very vessel, it does it does come to life in your mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, it, it makes sense. It, it like you said, it's weird to have that sentimental value, but you know, it, it seems like an old friend. Something bad's happening to an old friend. Oh, that, absolutely. Um. Tony, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a pleasure, long time coming. Glad you made your uh, made. Uh, we were able to kind of have you on the uh, Always Be Both Cruise podcast. I know we're on a little bit of a hiatus unless you know new developments happen. A bunch of stuff in the news came out lately, and you know I figured you were around, so I figured I would put an episode out. And um, you know I'm glad we were able to connect, man. Well, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I, I enjoy the work that you do, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. So, uh, again, I appreciate the invite and uh, always enjoy talking to you, Tommy. Absolutely same. Guys, uh, Lalita Loca on YouTube, uh, they do lives all the time. When when are your lives? Tonight was your live, right? Yeah, so we, we just added a second one. Uh, Tuesday night, we've been doing that since 2018. Uh, we took uh, we took the month of July off of Tuesdays and tried out Sundays so that we could uh, connect with some people in Europe. And so we decided to do both. So Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern uh, and Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, you can see Jenny and I chop it up live. And then uh, we do daily videos, usually around the news. So you can get a lot of Lalita Loca over there at the YouTube channel. Definitely. Like he just said, every single day there's a new video. One of the few people in the game that's bringing you content on a daily basis. So definitely check that out on YouTube, Lalita Loca. And then you have Facebook. You have the group, right? Yeah, yeah, the Lalita Loca cruising community. It's the Loca fam. Everybody's invited to come over there. 11,000 people talking cruising right now. And the podcast? Podcast, uh, we did a podcast. No, so we're, uh, we've been on a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast too. And so I've, I've been giving Jenny the hard look that we need to put out another episode. So that, that should be coming back. We're, we're at episode 20 and we either got to push it over the hill or, or let it go. I think we're going to, I think we're going to make some more episodes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thanks again, Tony. Appreciate it, Tommy. Once again, big thank you to Tony from Lalita Loca for joining us. 
great interview. Always love catching up with Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, your emails have become a lifeblood of the show. Uh, If you have a question, if you have a comment, any concerns, any questions that you have about anything we cover on either this show or the Patreon, hit me up, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. We love getting your emails. We actually thrive on your emails, so please keep them coming, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. And I guess it's appropriate to remind you at this time that we do have a Facebook group. It's a really fun group. Um, A lot of the community aspect to this show uh, is evident most in this group. It is the Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel lounge on facebook uh check us out we you know if we give advice to each other we celebrate cruising we share information at a time like this when there's all sorts of information kind of coming in a lot of it bad some of it good regarding cruising in general you could find it all there we just kind of post pictures share memories during this crazy time and uh yeah it's a lot of fun always be booked cruise and travel lounge also on instagram uh always be booked yeah you guessed it and the youtube channel A lot of people don't know that I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I'm not necessarily overly active with it right now because of the fact, many reasons, but none bigger than the fact that we can't cruise. So there's not really a whole lot of footage to get, but there's a lot of archives in there. And just check out Always Be Booked on YouTube. And I will be remiss if I don't say it one more time. We have a very, very special thing going on with the Patreon over there. It's uh, a show every day. I would say five to six shows a week. Uh, We do about a half hour, sometimes longer. We talk about everything and anything under the sun. It is your journey into super conehood. You will, and ask everybody who's in there. Ask anybody who's a Patreon. The minute you sign up to be a super cone. You'll go to p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash always be booked. Uh, Patreon dot com slash always be booked. You pay five dollars a month. You know what I mean? I don't even know what that is. Is that like, uh, you know, a quarter of a, a dollar, a quarter a show? I don't know what the number is. What do you want me to do? I'm not the math guy around here, but it's not a lot of money. And if you miss anything about this show or you kind of find yourself wanting to get that ABB fixed, I do have to warn you, we don't just talk about cruising. We go off a little bit, but they'll tell you. The minute you sign up to be a Patreon, a metamorphosis comes over your body. You feel like you're stepping across the threshold into something different. A cape. It's really weird. You're hearing reports of like just like a cape coming out of the sky and landing on your back, and you just know at that moment you are officially a super cone and you are a part of that. We also have the Always Be Booked, um, what is it? The Cruiser's Megaloft? Super uh, Megaloft. What, what is it called? <laughs> the Always Be Booked Super Cones Megaloft is the other Facebook group. And that's, you could join that. You don't have to be a Super Cone to join that. If you'd like to get a feel for what goes on in the Patreon without committing to the $5, you could just join that group. Always Be Booked Super Cones Megaloft. And it's, yeah. It might be the um, you know the VIP of the VIP if you're into it. Or if you're not, just don't do it and continue to listen to this show. We love having you. Um, let's get into the emails. Dear Tommy, I was thinking about what you could talk about on your podcast while with there being no U.S.-based cruises for the foreseeable future. I am a big fan of your podcast and I've heard about your real-life jobs running bars and being a DJ. While those bars sound like more of a DJ vibe than a live band vibe, I still feel like you have 
experience and knowledge of what it takes to get a crowd going. I think you and us listeners would enjoy you talk, taking a deep dive into the live music entertainment scene, particularly the world of cover bands. This could also be relevant today as people in states where the virus isn't running wild might be able to go see one of these bands, especially considering none of them are at sea. I grew up near and still live in Boston. I was born and bred to love all things Aerosmith. Anything post-2000 doesn't count. My last cruise was on Anthem of the Seas out of Bayonne in February, and I was pumped to find out that Draw the Line was going to be on my sailing. I talked with the guitar player for a while in the pub. If you'd like to hear the deets on their situation or my review of that cruise, let me know. As you can see in this video, this band rocks. The singer has legit pipes, but good lord did he go to the same plastic surgeon that Steven Tyler went to. Did he tell the doctor, give me a Stephen T? What kind of doctor goes along with this? But I digress. There were a lot of band-specific cover bands. U2, uh, Beatles, etc. If you have fun doing this, it could lead to weeks of semi-cruise-related content for your podcast. In addition to band-specific cover bands that might only be on a particular ship for a few days, there are also the kind of bands that play everything and stay on the same ship for a long time. Those guys are on the same cruise. Those guys were on the same cruise and killed it every time. I bet their experience being a house ship band and getting to know the crew over the months would be very different. This is to say, I think that you and us cones might enjoy taking a deep dive into the world of cruise ship bands. Thank you for continuing to be funny, entertaining, informative, and very you. And I hope you run to run into you on board in or in port sometime in 2021. No way anything sails, especially out of Florida for way too long. For the love of cruising, wear your damn masks, you sensitive snowflakes. Seth. <laughs> Seth, you covered a lot there. Okay. Let's go into this little by little. So the cover band thing, the problem with covering, uh, I guess a lot of cover bands except the national ones, is that they're local, right? Many cover bands just cover a small area. Uh, maybe maybe it's usually statewide, I would say. You know what I mean? I know the Florida, a lot of the Florida cover bands, or even the bands that do original music that are on the live music scene, yeah, they'll, they'll perform mostly in South Florida, but yeah, they'll do the occasional Orlando trip, the Daytona trip, the Jacksonville trip, the Tampa trip. They'll do that, but it's a little bit of a local flair. So I think the issue with that might be of course, with some exceptions, it might be that a lot of them are a little bit local for a lot of people to relate to. Having said that, there are some cover bands out there uh, that are kind of nuanced and kind of gimmicky. Like you have Mini Kiss, which are just all little people, and they're, they dress up as Kiss. You have Iron Maidens, which is an Iron Maiden cover band, but it's all females. Kind of cool. So there's a lot of those out there, too. But for the most part, you might be right. I mean, Aerosmith, I do not uh, have any hate for you when it comes to Aerosmith. There's a few people that I really still want to see. I've, I've, I've been blessed enough to see a lot of people in concerts. Uh, in concert, I do want to see Kid Rock. Yeah, I guess I'm old. And I also want to see Aerosmith. And I, bet, I guess I better hurry up on that, right? Because they are kind of getting old fast. The only knock I have... Steven Tyler, dude, like that was an abomination. When he put out that country album, Steven Tyler, one of the classic American rock and rollers, when you talk about Aerosmith, when you talk about Steven Tyler, and you're talking about American rock music, they are on the Rushmore. They are, uh, I mean, they are without a doubt at the top. 
but for you, Steven Tyler, and yes, country, bro country, uh, saltwater country, whatever you want to call it, that, uh, that, that it's kind of over now, but it had a mainstream rush in about, I would say, the mid-2000s to late, I'm sorry, the 2010s, I would say even 2010 to 2020. That decade produced a lot of country, and country got very popular in mainstream, and as a result of that, a lot of fluff, money-making country came out. And Steven Tyler absolutely put out a country album that was an abomination. You know what the name of the song was? His single was? Red, White, and You. I mean, Steven Tyler, can you be any more, I mean, just generic than that? Red, White, and You. But let's uh, let's just say Steven Tyler is an American icon. He's an American treasure. And Steven, you get some jet- get-out-of-jail cards. But you did use one right there. Um, what else did you cover? Okay, I'm not going to touch the mask thing. That's just some people want to wear masks. Some people don't. I get in trouble every time. I lose Patreon viewers all the time because uh, I don't know if it's because I won't commit. I don't really don't care. I don't care what you do. Here we go. Here we go, Tommy. Can you feel it coming? Tangent. Tangent. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not going to do <laughs> I'm not going to turn into Quentin Tangentino right now, but I'm just saying I have love for both sides. I have love for the people who say, you know what? I got to get back out there and I'm taking my life back and getting back to normal. But I also totally understand the people who say, will you guys go inside, put the mask on and can we get past this? I understand both sides and I'm going to leave it at that. So that's what it is. Seth, thank you so much for the email and thank you for being a super cone. Hi, Tommy. I'm listening to today's podcast and heard you say that it was uh, boring for you to read the CDC questions yesterday. I actually, because I did that on a Patreon, I went through every single CDC question and did a hypothetical sort of answer. So just to brief everybody who's not on the Patreon, that's, that's what I did do. I actually really enjoyed it because your commentary was exactly what I was thinking. I had just heard the questions... Um, previously i agree with you that the cdc put those questions out to show everyone how intricate and difficult it is to try to make a plan for safe cruising and we know cruising isn't starting up again anytime soon ugh ugh uh, I think the RV thing would be good to talk about more. I think there are lots of people interested in it. I'd also like to hear podcasts about places to see in the U.S. since that's apparently what will be going on for vacation for the foreseeable future. Yellowstone, the Grand Canyon, Las Vegas, New York, Philly, D.C., etc. There's a lot of info to read online about these places, but not a lot of podcasts. Anyways, love hearing the show each day. Take care. Bryn. Bryn, thank you so much for the email. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really, you know, first of all, we do a show every day. So I think it was appropriate to read the questions and answer them a little bit and give you a little bit of a feeling for what I thought they were trying to get at with every single, I guess, question that they put at you. You know, did I nail all of them? No, I don't think so. I think they do, you know, after reading the questions, I do see where they're going. Whatever they were trying to do, like I said earlier at the top of the show, as far as make you aware, enlighten you on all the things that you have to consider, they got me on a few of them. I agree. Like, wow, you know what? That too. You know? Oh, shoot. I didn't think of that. Or wow. Yeah. What will they do in that situation? And uh, yeah, for that reason, it did get me and it did make me aware uh, a little bit more than I was about what a challenge this truly will be. And believe me, I knew it was going to be a challenge already. But 
there is a there is a lot of a lot of challenges ahead. And uh, Brent, I thank you so much. Um, the RV thing, we'll talk about that in a second, guys. Uh, I'm not an RV guy per se. I never was, but kind of like the thought why i like cruising if you like cruising and 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 what's attractive about cruising you're probably going to get enticed a little bit by the whole rv thing if it is the whole kind of like journey the different ports of call the different areas that you can visit within you know the consolidated one vacation you know what i mean a lot of that stuff speaks to I guess, driving around the country. We'll talk about that in a second because I think there is another email that touches on that. But uh, yeah, I'll fill you in. Hi, Tommy. I read your recent blog post called It's Not Just the Cruise, and I loved it. Uh, by the way, I do have a website, alwaysbebooked.com, and you could check out the blogs. In the group, I posted a link to the blogs. You could see some of the stuff. You know, when I get a little itch, I write, some, write something down every once in a while. When I have a sentiment that I feel like I want to communicate um, that may do a little bit more well, a little bit better on, on in, in the written word, I'll do it. And all right. So that's kind of what I did. It's not just a cruise. The purpose of that was just, you know, what is taken from us right now is cruising, of course. But then I tried to delve into what around cruising that we also miss, whether it's the planning, whether it's the shopping, whether it's the anticipation, uh, all that stuff I talked about, you know, the, the excursion shopping, you know, the distraction, you're not getting much done at work the last week before you cruise, all that stuff I dive into a little bit in the blog post that I just put up called It's Not Just the Cruise. Uh, this email continues. I used to spend a lot of time on popular cruise message boards like Cruise Critic, and there was one guy there whose posts I couldn't stand. He was obnoxious. He was always annoying people, and many people blocked his post. He didn't care who he offended and seemed to take great joy in offending others. He knew just how far he can go without getting kicked off the boards. Imagine my horror and dismay to find out that he was on my roll call. I'm assuming that means he was on your cruise. On the roll call, though, he stayed in the background. Oh, okay, on your roll call, so he was going to be on a cruise that you were going to be on, which was just fine with me. Uh, We had an aft balcony on that cruise, and apparently so did my nemesis. Oh, wow. So you see this guy on the message boards. You can't stand him. And then your worst nightmare comes through. He's on your roll call, which means he's going to be on your ship. Now, not only is he going to be on your ship, you find out that he's in the same section of the ship with you. That's pretty funny. Um. So he was your nemesis was also had an aft balcony quote we could never we could wave to each other he said yeah right no thank you okay so I guess he said that in the uh, roll call he said wow we're close on the same ship we could wave to each other and uh, this person says yeah right no thank you so embarkation day finally arrived and there I was with my family including my five year old daughter we were on our amazing aft balcony and my daughter saw another little girl on her own balcony a floor below us. The dad came out, looked up, and said, Hey, are you so-and-so from Cruise Critic? It was that guy. Okay, fine. We exchanged pleasantries and moved on. No big deal. The next day, I took my daughter to the Kid Splash Zone, and she saw her friend from the deck below, and they soon became Cruise BFFs. Obnoxious Guy's wife was also on the ship for a conference and was in meetings most of the, most of the day, so he was the par- as the parent would I would run into at the pool and at the kids' program. 
and at parent-child activities. In person, though, this guy was not the obnoxious, sarcastic jerk that he was on the boards. In person, he was pleasant, kept to himself, and was an attentive parent. I met his wife later in the week, and she was a lovely person. I wondered if she had even knew what he was like online. So, the person from the roll call who I hope to avoid was the one person I ran into every single day. I hope you enjoy uh, enjoyed my story. Boat drinks, super cones, Dorothy. Dorothy, before I see this is I'm I'm touching on this right now. This proves exactly what we talked about in the interview with Tony, where I said and suggested maybe the decline of society was because of. Some social media but maybe not social media as a whole maybe if we just deleted the comments maybe if there was no comments and by the way as i'm thinking of it now that was beatrix beatrix told me about somebody that she knows that suggested that that could be a big move towards cleaning up such the the toxic negativity that's on a lot of these social media sites beatrix my bad for not remembering that until now that was all you i gotta give you that um so i i i'm thinking that's a perfect kind of i guess i guess testament to what we were trying to say this is a guy who's either one of two things he's an asshole in his heart but knows that when he's in person with somebody you have to bury your inner asshole you have to hide your inner asshole and that's just common courtesy now when you're online either one of two things happen your real personality comes out unabashed and you don't have to apologize for it or you're just an asshole online in comments and you're really not a bad guy you just maybe had a couple of bad days and your online persona is that of an asshole so imagine if all the assholes that are online are like this guy who would be perfectly fine in person would be perfectly pleasant maybe you don't want to be their best friend but but they're perfectly um let's just say they they're functioning members of society where you can have a good interaction with them or at least an acceptable interaction with them any time of the day. But then they get in front of their computer at night. They had a bad day or they have a life that they, is not going in the direction that they wanted to go. And then they see that there's no repercussions for being this type of person online. And then they unleash the beast. So that shows it right there. Well, your email is more important, Dorothy, than I think you even know. I think your email that you just sent sent me uh, kind of proves a theory that was floated during the interview with with Tony and by Beatrix's friend that said this is ridiculous. I mean, all these these comments and things like that, where people can just just take their day out on these comments. People read that and they take that as like a little bit more serious than they should. So there's a perfect example. This guy's probably able to function as a normal member of society every day, but once he's allowed to comment on something anonymously, the beast comes out. And when you multiply that over the course of whatever state, city, neighborhood, country you're in, and that's happening so much, what you have is a from within decline of society. It's a little bit of a shame. We got a little morbid there, didn't we? Let's bring it back. Hi, Tommy. I really do like your idea of a motorhome. I'm not keen on the idea of fitting out a van. I'm guessing by van you mean a Mercedes, VW, Renault, or Fiat. Beware of the vans. They have a built-in use-by date, either the year or the mileage. But regardless, uh, come the moment warranty the warranty runs out. 
You begin to spend serious money on mechanical repairs. By the time they reach 10 years of age, it becomes more economical in the long run to actually replace engines, fuel injectors, fuel pumps, uh, suspension, and I'll add transmissions. Uh, if you're talking about a proper truck with the motorhome built onto the truck frame, i.e. full construction from the front bumper to the rear bumper, even the cab where you drive is a new built from the truck frame. Then longevity, uh, and you know expenditures are well documented. Most mechanics are able to tell you what expenditures to expect at a certain mileage or age. Vans have a short life and become expensive really quick. I would recommend looking at buying your first motorhome as an established vehicle, preferably on a truck frame, not a van, less than five years old. At a dealership, trade in plus one or two thousand more to secure that private sale. Uh, learn from that vehicle, and if you want to totally refit and renew an engine, suspension, and internal fit-out, do that on the side on another van you have parked somewhere safe and handy. I hope this information does not reduce your drive to experience motorhomes. Cheers, Giuseppe. Giuseppe's the man, always a frequent uh, writer and a contributor to the show. Giuseppe, I'll say a couple of things here. The van life is a thing. You know what I mean? Go on and look up hashtag van life anywhere. So we talked about motorhomes. I don't think I can get a motorhome because the, the advantages to the van are this. You have stealthness. You know what I mean? Nobody knows what's going on in that van. You're driving around with a motorhome. You uh, People know that there's valuables in there. People know that your life is in there. You're probably living out of that thing, at least for the time being. With a van... You could just be another van. I could slap an air conditioning repair magnet on the side of it, and nobody knows the whole life is in there. So to catch you guys up, we talked about it a lot on the Patreon. Um, something that has become attractive to me, whether I'll do it right now, I- I'll say no. You know what I mean? My, my realism for actually pulling this off is probably up to about 14%. So it probably won't happen, but... I get fascinated with stuff online on YouTube and things like that. And I've been looking into this whole van life culture. And for me, that's the most attractive one. A, because you know what? I do not have the 20, 30, $50,000 for a motorhome. A, B, yeah, I want to be able to have everything within a concentrated area. I would put a studio in there. I like the build out aspect of it. That's part of it. That's attractive to me is be able, being able to design it exactly to my specifications and kind of build it and have that sense of accomplishment that you literally refitted this whole van with upholstery and flooring and insulation and uh, electronic equipment and solar power and whatever plumbing. Um, that's attractive to me to kind of accomplish that and do that. Uh, maybe get some resale value. Yes, you will have to replace things like engines and things like that eventually on it. But um, I also think that if you have a van, you basically have a, have a car. It's a truck, car, whatever, that you can kind of park anywhere. You know what I mean? You have an RV. You can't pull up on a side of a road where, you know what, maybe parking is perfectly normal and legal overnight. But if there's an RV, raises some eyebrows. As opposed to if it's, a, if it's a, just a regular everyday van from the outside and it's only there for a day or two. Nobody will think twice about it. I do understand the expensiveness and what, what will have to happen as far as kind of replacing parts. I do realize that the vans will break down quicker than an actual commercial style, whatever truck will. But I do think that that's a necessary evil that I will have to kind of take on. I do. I do. Because the motorhome for me, 
I'm not going to get that fifth wheel type of scenario where you where you tow it because that's two pieces. You know what I mean? I do understand the attractiveness of that is because you can kind of put it away and then you could still have just a truck, just a car or a truck and drive around with that and kind of keep your uh, camper safe. But I'm not really in a position to be able to purchase both of those both of those things right now. My truck is semi on its way out. So I'll have to get a new vehicle soon anyway. And buying this thing for 10, 15, 20 grand would just be an expense on top of that that I can't take on right now. Um, and as far as the motor home, uh, you know, what would you call it? The, the, so you have the uh, camper, which is two pieces, truck and equipment uh, and, and rig, plus, or you have the motor home. You drive that around and that's your vehicle um, and your living situation. But I can't do that because you can't. It's no, there's no stealthiness to it, and parking is an issue. You're gonna have to pay a lot. You're gonna have to get campsites. You're gonna have to pay. Um, so that's why I'm kind of choosing the van and the whole van life culture around it. Just look up hashtag van life. Look up van life on YouTube. Look up van conversions. There's people all around the country. There's support systems. There's message boards. It's like a lot of in a lot of ways. It's like cruising. With all the information that's available out there, the resources that available that are available out there, on the whole culture itself. But Giuseppe, as always, I do appreciate your suggestion, top to bottom, and what you say makes a hundred percent sense. Guys, thank you so much for listening. We hadn't done an episode in a while. I was so happy. This feels good to get one back out. I hope you enjoy it as well. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com for any questions, concerns, corrections, or just thoughts that you might have on cruising. You know what I mean? Tell me. If you use it as a as a therapy session, let me know what you're thinking, uh, how much you miss cruising, whatever it is. I want to thank Tony from Lolita Loca. Thank you, Jenny, too, for giving us Tony, uh, giving Tony, uh, lending us Tony for a little while to answer some questions and I have a back and forth for about an hour. Um, the Always Be Booked Cruises Ultra Lounge on Facebook. Well, actually, it's the Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel Lounge on Facebook, I should say. It's a group. You'll love it. And the Patreon. Tommy. Uh, I'm sorry. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Always Be Booked Patreon. Check it out. Always, always appreciate you guys. We'll do another episode here soon. In the meantime, Boat Drinks Cones. There's a place where the boat leaves from It takes away a little your big problems You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Take one part sand, one part sea And one part shade of a nine-nine tree And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot And I know this is the place for me Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away I love your big problems You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves Jimmy Perfectly good island somewhere Well, I'll ride the boats and don't grab your coat You won't need it where we are going Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down, down in the sand where it's cool Put me down, and 
am when I fall on my stool Put me down, I'll just sleep there till morning comes round With sunshine ten ladies and pina coladas And Bob Marley songs that I'm playing There's a song in my ear that I want you to hear Soft tropical lips that are singing Get away to where the boat leads from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you could drop them in a blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leads from So get away to where the boat leads from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you could drop them in a blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the So get away to where the boat leads from It takes away I love your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leads from